Are we, are we live now? I'm recording. You're what listening to Mumbrella Cast. Mumbrella, Mumbrella Cast. Cast. Welcome to the Mumbrella Cast. I'm Vivian Kelly. Joining me to break down your week in media and marketing is Mumbrella's senior media reporter, Hannah Blackiston. Hello. And reporter, Brittany Rigby. Hello. Plus, coming up later, Hannah sits down with Triple J breakfast hosts, Ben and Liam, to discuss how much they actually care about radio ratings. When you're national as well, it's so hard because if we ever do look at the ratings, it's like, oh, congratulations, you've gone up in Perth and uh, Sydney, but you've gone down in Melbourne and Brisbane and Adelaide. Why people often compare them to Hamish and Andy. So I think when we first started, it was something we were more conscious of. We were like, oh, you don't want to do that because you don't want to sound like other people. And who their worst interview ever was. He was like talking to us with his hand, but he, clearly his like media person or something had written Ben and Liam and big text of But first, the week's topics. What really went wrong with PwC's MyScreen report? The ACCC hands down its final thoughts in the digital platforms inquiry. And the battle between Rob Moore and Mediacom. First up, last week PwC was forced to pull its MyScreen report over questions on the methodology. The report, which was commissioned by Facebook, aimed to clear up confusion over how consumers are actually consuming content. But in fact, it did the complete opposite. So, Viv, you were all over and across this one. Um, What was the data that was being called into question? Well, look, it was a bit murky for us to start with because originally we didn't even get to see the MyScreen report. It came to our attention when it was actually pulled off PwC's website and nothing screams something's gone wrong, (laughs) like a report mysteriously disappearing. Obviously, the TV networks then jumped on that as an opportunity to reset the narrative and talk about what was wrong with the report. So part of what was called into question was PwC and Facebook were saying there's no one way to measure video audiences across all different platforms. And they were saying the motive for this is to help marketers make better decisions when purchasing advertising space and when planning their media and all of these things give them a more comprehensive picture of what's really going on. And a lot of that was around comparing how much time consumers spend on Facebook consuming video, how much time they spend on YouTube, and how much they spend watching the television network's content. Part of the problem, though, is that broadcast video on demand, so much of that is done via a connected television. And as PwC really openly said in the report, they didn't include connected TV data. Now, that's not why the report was pulled. The TV networks, you know, really wanted to discredit this report saying, how can you possibly measure BVOD when you're not even giving people the data of connected TV? And that's such a big part of how people consume BVOD. PwC was really upfront about not including that, though. An issue seems to come down to page nine of the original report that's been pulled, Uh, And it was to do with some usage of Nielsen data and that's been called into question where perhaps the data that was used was actually measuring consumers on those sites consuming text, so consuming text on Facebook, consuming text on these other platforms rather than the data that allegedly should have been used, which is to measure video consumption. There's been all sorts of claims and counterclaims ever since then The new report, as we're recording this, hasn't been released, although knowing our luck this week it will be released (laughs) as this podcast is in production and everything I say will be discredited, much like the report. 
But part of the other issue is Nielsen feel like they've had to step in after the report Mm. was sent out, which is why it's been pulled while this subset of data is sort of redone. And Nielsen sort of said to me that they didn't get the chance to check it and approve it, and Mm. so their data was used in a way that they felt wasn't right. And now there's this report out there and people are now trying to discredit Nielsen and Nielsen's saying, no, it's not us. People are trying to discredit PwC and PwC's former uh, Ben Shepherd, who used to work at PwC, is standing by the report. Facebook say that the rest of the report is fine. The TV networks say the whole thing's a sham. So, look, (laughs) (laughs) who knows? Who knows? But either way, even if the rest of the report was fantastic and even if page nine was only a small problem, there's so much murkiness around this report now that I'm not sure how seriously people are going to be able to take the reissued one and I'm not sure how how Facebook and PwC can recover from this and be like, hey, it's a, it's a report and it's good now. <laughs> it's hard as well because Ben Shepard pointed out he wrote an op-ed um, which we published and he pointed out that it it's it's quite a necessary report. There is a lot of false information around how consumers do absorb absorb how consumers do consume video. Um, so had the report come out and been all good, this would have been great. But as you said, now that they've screwed up this part, I can't imagine a world where the report will completely come out and people will say, "Oh no, actually, it's fantastic." Look, I think that the problem that these types of reports face, even if the MyScreen report had been flawless. And as you say, when Ben Shepard spells out the motivations and explains some of the problems that marketers face with this and trying to have one comprehensive measurement system, it is important. But when something is commissioned by Facebook, nobody's going to believe that it's impartial, even if people believe that PwC has the capacity to be impartial. It's a bit like Think TV research and Think TV's CEO, Kim Portrait, has come out spelling out her version of the facts mm. uh, in the wake of this report. But even when Think TV do really comprehensive, really robust studies, people will say, oh, well, of course it found that TV is effective because ugh, you're a TV marketing body even if that research stood up totally on its own and TV was the most effective and everything that Kim says is true, people are still going to be like, oh, well, yeah, you would say that, which is the other challenge that Facebook faces in this battle to get people to take their data seriously, particularly when in the past Facebook has faced so much criticism for what it does with people's (laughs) data and what it does with its own data. Next up, the ACCC releases its final report from the Digital Platforms Inquiry. So it wasn't just the PwC MyScreen report giving Facebook a headache over the past few weeks. The ACCC finally released its report following the 18-month digital platform inquiry. The 623-page report ended with 23 recommendations for the industry, which will be reviewed by the federal government and responded to somewhere around the end of 2019. Hannah, we don't have time for you to go through all (laughs) 23 recommendations as I'm very shortly meant to be on stage at Advertising Week. Uh, But what were the main recommendations? Yeah, so the main focus, um, there was a real push towards how much of a monopoly digital platforms have. It was focused on Google and Facebook. um, And kind of what people had been expecting out of the report was that there might be a new regulatory body. People were definitely calling for that. Um, Didn't happen. But 
in the report, it was laid out that there should be new codes of conduct, which would be created by the platforms themselves, and then they would be held to those standards, which in theory is going to stop the problems we've had up until this point. Um, they stopped short of saying they should be considered publishers, which was something a lot of the big media companies were calling for. That didn't happen. There was also some uh, discussions around data and privacy, um, especially in terms of the in light of the recent scandals like Facebook's Cambridge Analytica scandal. So that's, again, more codes of conduct, more kind of better reporting. Um, basically, the ACCC kind of said, we've been a bit lax when it comes to digital platforms up until now. We're going to create a separate team that's going to watch over it. There's going to be a lot more inquiries. They're kind of, you know, the eye is going to be on them all the time, which people have up until this point thought that they've been getting away with a lot. Um, and it is important to note that the industry has been pretty happy with the with what's been laid out in the report, um, although, of course, the report is just recommendations. It hasn't actually gone anywhere yet. Yeah, I was sort of surprised by the strength of the positivity that came out of the media owners in relation to this report, particularly because the ACCC has at times been seen as a toothless tiger and I think part of the problem with this report is that it was sort of admitting, yep, we let this get really out of hand. Yep, this, this got really far away from us. We sort of unleashed the internet on the world with no plan. <laughs> we let these tech giants grow with no little to no regulation. Oops, it's a bit late now and here's a 623-page report of everything we've let go wrong. And as you say, they might not even do anything with it. You know, they're, they're recommendations at this stage and even those recommendations didn't go as hard as a lot of people wanted. So the Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, and other government ministers will presumably read it and think about it and consult the industry. But I'm not actually sure that the media owners should be as enthused as they seem to be because there's still a very good chance that nothing could happen. Yeah, I kind of, as the way I see it is I guess they're leaning on the side of being positive about it. Um, but as you said, like there's a lot of the report deals with the fact that going forward there should be harsher um, criticism on mergers so that we don't we avoid monopolies like this happening again in the future. But the report also says basically nothing can ever challenge Google and Facebook now unless for some miraculous reason they were to leave the market because they've become too big. So I completely see what you're saying. And having worked in the real estate and finance industry when the banking commission stuff happened, that was a similar situation where you know, all these recommendations came out and it felt like at the end of the day, it felt like a bit of a slap on the wrist considering some of the damning evidence that had come forward during the commission. So yeah, I I don't know. I kind of lean on the side with you here where I just fail to see that anything that massive is going to happen. But if the industry is looking at it positively, then I guess we all should be too. And Brittany, I thought this report was just going to be about Facebook and Google, but there's potentially some blowback in there for media agencies as well. Yeah, so that actually came about because of Google's submission to the preliminary report. So the ACCC uh, has said that that submission said that agencies, meaning media agencies, pull their purchases on behalf of clients to get these volume discounts and then resell that inventory to clients but don't have any incentive to pass on the discounts that they've received. So that kind of opacity, uh, the ACCC has said, is like a black box and they're not very happy with it. So I think it was uh, in Google's interest to divert some of the attention yeah. to media agencies and the like 
uh, and what their role is in kind of the whole process end to end. Um, and off the back of that, an inquiry has been recommended, uh, as you guys have touched on whether or not that goes ahead is another story. But thinking about it, it's interesting because, as Hannah said, the Royal Commission into the banking and finance sector was a turning point, I guess, for that industry and in that at the very least it was in the public consciousness. Everyone was finally aware of what was happening and it feels like that's been a reset button. How strong? I don't know yet. I don't think we we do know yet. But for how that industry communicates with its clients and how it communicates internally as well, I don't know if an ACCC inquiry intermediate agencies would have the same kind of effect on the industry as a Royal Commission would. Um, but nonetheless, it has said that these holding companies uh, named WPP, Omnicom, Publicis, Interpublic and Dentsu as the five biggest ones and said that those are the groups that it's most concerned about because often those groups are negotiating these volume discount deals and then passing them on to agencies that pass them on to clients. And clients have contractual relationships with the agency they engage. They don't necessarily have contractual relationships with the holding group above the agency. And one of my favourite things in this 623-page report was when <laughs> the ACCC was sort of trying to explain to the everyday person, I guess, as if any everyday person sits down to read the 623-page <laughs> report, how sort of the the industry works and how media agencies make money and, and how the chain of programmatic works and online advertising. And I just think the my favourite thing was when they represented media agencies, it mm. was this super dodgy little cartoon man. <laughs> with a hat. With a hat and a moustache. And a dodgy moustache. <laughs> As if that's not showing what they think of media agencies. <laughs> they don't show a businessman in a suit, which let's be real is what would have been more accurate. You, you've got this dodgy, <laughs> shady character just you know, clipping everyone's ticket and taking their money. So if uh, if a picture paints a thousand words, I think there was a lot to be said for their visual representation of media agencies. I think so too. Speaking of media agencies, up next, Rob Moore sues former employer Mediacom over redundancy. So we will tread carefully here because this is obviously escalated to become a legal matter, but the former general manager of Mediacom in Melbourne, Rob Moore, has taken legal action against his former employer, claiming he was discriminated against after disclosing to CEO Willie Pang that he had been diagnosed with depression. Brittany, you covered this one and you've actually seen the legal documents. Mm. So what is Moore seeking in his case? He wants to be reinstated, which is interesting. Often when these types of employment relationships break down for whatever reason, whether or not it's dismissal or otherwise, obviously both parties get to the point where it's like, we're probably not going to have a great working relationship again, but he does want to be reinstated. He also wants uh, compensation, uh, his legal costs to be paid and for Mediacom to be fined. So quite a ra- wide range of um, of redress that he's seeking. I would say that it must have been a really difficult decision for him to file in court because obviously making it on the public record means that his personal and private health um, details are now out in the public. And so he obviously feels like, yeah, he's been really wronged and 
the what what he's seeking in response to that kind of matches matches that I think. Yeah, look, there were some questions from commenters saying, you know, was it really appropriate for us to cover this given that it's such a sensitive issue for Rob and for many other people? So you're right that it's a huge, huge decision to mm. to put it on the public record and, you know, not not settle this, to let it escalate to the point where everything you say and your emails and whatnot are, are on public record. Uh, this question was actually asked at Advertising Week this week to a panel speaking about mental health in the industry. So there was a panel of leaders, you know, revealing their own struggles and revealing the struggles of those beneath them and what we can do to what to fix what they were calling the mental health crisis. And they were going so far as to compare it to uh, the climate crisis. Uh, so very sort of evocative language was being used around mental health. So then somebody anonymously in the uh, question thread at Advertising Week asked, well, how does this sit in light of what's happened with with Rob Moore and, and Mediacom uh, and these allegations? Mark Code, who's the CEO of PhD, uh, actually addressed it, which I didn't think anybody would be brave enough to do, given it is a legal matter and it's all allegations at this stage. And he just said, look, I don't know what happened, but we shouldn't let these things escalate to the point where they're going to court because it's not good for anybody. 100%. And like, I've had some chats with people in the industry who have similarly expressed surprise. And I've said, yeah, like, I don't know why it wasn't settled. Um, and I think, I probably think Rob would rather it have been handled privately as well. Um, it's, it's a big thing to go to court. It's a huge investment, both in terms of money that you may not get back in terms of time, in terms of emotional energy. Like it's a really big process to go through. And yeah, people that I've spoken to have expressed similar sentiment. And look, it's just, it, no matter what happens, it's a very bad look for Mediacom, yeah. you know, even if the court, even if they settle and it goes away, or even if the court finds that actually it was a genuine redundancy and Rob Moore's mental health issues were just sort of something that was happening at the same time, people will judge Mediacom for this when the industry is putting so much focus on mental health and really trying to come together on this. That was really evident at Advertising Week and it's evident in, you know, WPP's interim CEO, John Stedman, and WPP is the holding company that Mediacom falls within, trying to ban anonymous comments and trolling on trade media websites in the name of mental health. So obviously Stedman's allowed to pursue that, but people are going to start really questioning it at a time when Mediacom is being dragged through the courts over mental health. So it's definitely I'm going to have to do some serious comment moderation on this is is what I'd say because it is a very sensitive legal matter. It's a very sensitive issue for Rob and it's so tied up in this really complex mental health debate and really difficult. Mm. Some of the commenters have spoken about the nature of these sorts of really senior roles and I think that's where agencies have almost the most opportunity in that there's a lot of talk about how important keeping mental health of staff intact is is crucial and how important keeping staff um, around and making sure that those client relationships are extended and that they can turn up to work and do their best work and be their best selves. Where I think it's difficult is where, yeah, it's going to affect your business. Like, 
if someone is, you know, experiencing this and finding work really difficult, that's undoubtedly a really difficult thing to deal with in a business context or any other context. But agencies almost have the most opportunity with these really senior figures to be like, yep, we're standing behind them. This is really important to us. It's important to be able to work flexibly and Mm. to come to work and to sort of stick with us through this. It's part of that kind of bigger conversation, isn't it? We We got into a similar chat around the pregnancy stuff where you know is it okay to fire somebody because they're pregnant or because they want to take parental leave or any of that sort of thing it's all part of that bigger conversation I mean yes your work is going to suffer but it's you know there's another aspect to it there's a human aspect to it that needs to Mm. be considered and I mean like ultimately Rob has a workplace right to have flexible working insofar as you know that can work Um, and that's what a general protections claim is basically it means that if you feel like you've been discriminated against whether or not it's for pregnancy or race or sex or mental disability or physical disability that if you're fired or made redundant or dismissed or any other adverse action is taken against you that you have some kind of recourse all right next up is hannah's chat with triple j breakfast hosts ben and liam I am here with Ben and Liam, who are Triple J's breakfast hosts. Do you guys want to introduce yourself quickly? You've pretty much summed it up. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's, that's our uh, rap sheet. That's our resume. But yes, uh, we are Ben and Liam. And uh, yeah, I, I suppose our main achievement is hosting Triple mm. J Breakfast. Uh, good morning, good evening, good night, wherever you're listening or whatever time you're listening you to this. You also got Best and Fairest though, out of 15s, I think, was it? No, I didn't get Best and Fairest. wasn't that good. I got um, most, improved. most Improved. Yeah, which is kind of like the lame award. Yeah. But it's more than I got. So um, that And now that is... All of our achievements, mm-hmm. and let's just do a quick voice identification. Oh yeah, that's probably yeah, that's probably what you were getting at. I'm Liam, uh, <laughs> and uh, to the left of me, Mr. I'm ben Liam. Harvey. No, you've is that confusing? You're Ben. Sorry, Harvey. I'm Ben Harvey. Yeah, gotcha. They'll pick it up. Yeah. They'll pick it up. I know we sound a bit similar, but um, I, I've been told if you listen long enough, then you can start hearing the difference. Okay. Yeah. And I wonder if anyone will be able to differentiate me. I mean, we'll just see how we go. Um. So 2019. Mm. Third year on Triple J. Yeah. Mm. Which is weird. It's shot by. Yeah. Has it? Well, see, because my question is, I kind of did, you know, a bit of a Google stalk. Yeah. And when you go back through when you guys first got the job, and as I'm sure you're entirely aware, there was just so much after Matt and Alex, what's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Hey, when did it finally start to feel like it was your job? You were the breakfast host. Did it feel like that from day one or did you kind of feel like you were impostering for a little even, while? Even, Liam and I were talking about this the other day actually, even in the studio you felt a bit out of place because you always saw it in videos and you always saw yeah. it online. So yeah. even in the first few months just standing in, in in those wooden walls in between them, it felt so strange. Yeah, I remember even the first video we were in, I think it was like Matt and Alex's last day and we kind of, you know, flipped over for the first time we were hosting. So, that was like the end of 16. And uh, yeah, I remember seeing the, the video and then my friends like sending it to me and being like, this is so whack because I used to watch all the like versions and stuff. It is kind of weird. Like imagine if you were like, I don't know, like in Australia's got talent judge all of a sudden, mm. you're like, oh, that's where... Um, 
Carl Sandlands is supposed to sit. I don't yeah. know. See, I don't watch a hell of a lot of commercial TV. Obviously, I think my <laughs> references are a little back. bit out here. The best way to put it, I think, for a, for a little while anyway, it feels like you're, it, people, you know, they're like, it's your house, but it feels like you're staying at a friend's house. Like, yeah. you don't you don't actually relax when you're at a friend's house because you're always mm. kind of on edge. Maybe when you're in, the, in their room, you do, but in the rest of the house, you're like, oh, where's the mum and dad? What are their rules? So it felt a bit like that for a few months, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's real awkward. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, if you spill something in a friend's house, then you're freaking out. Yeah. Like Ben, you know, we've known each other for years. We spilled a beer on your couch like what, four days ago. I freaked out. And that that face that he made, I was like, oh, that was us for our first year. Um, I think it took us about nine months to feel like kind of settled in. Yeah. And that's when you just you kind of, you know, you win a few people over, but you also stop caring as much what people yeah. think about you. Um, which is, I mean, it's the same for anyone starting a new job, right? You're like, you know, you're a bit concerned about the way you're coming off and first impressions and whatnot. And that's kind of what it is just on a national scale, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting because you're doing really well in the ratings. So you just took second spot in Perth breakfast. Figure um, that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That was actually pretty, that was a bit of a shock, that one. Yeah, well, so that was my wonder. So um, ABC and Triple J don't put a lot of scope into ratings because Mm. it's kind of more of a commercial exercise. I mean, we've heard like there's, you know, like big fancy breakfasts and stuff if you go up in commercial land. But here, you know, we kind of forget about it. And then like a few days later, you go, oh, you might see an article somewhere and you go, oh, that's all right. We're doing right in Perth now. So it's like whether they're bad or good, which I kind of prefer, at least you're coasting in the middle because Mm. I feel like, you know, in commercial, it's like great. You might get to celebrate those wins, but then you'd be panic stations for a month when you're down a couple of points. But yeah, I think I, I kind of like the way we, we run here. And I'm sure if we were bottoming out, getting like two, Then you'd be then worried. We'd probably yeah. get axed, I yeah. suppose. But yeah, I don't know. It's not really like ratings powered. Yeah. So you are above Sydney Today FM breakfast, which is kind of ties into that because they are obviously not doing super well at the moment. And there's a lot of kind of panic station talk about that. Mm. So, it, yeah, I can imagine... Does it just not factor into what you're thinking? Like, do you just not panic no. about it at all? No, it's so hard. When you're national as well, it's so hard because if we ever do look at the ratings, it's like, oh, congratulations, you've gone up in Perth and uh, Sydney, but you've gone down in Melbourne and Brisbane and Adelaide. So, it's like, <laughs> yeah. figure that out. Like, what does <laughs> yeah, that even it's mean? Hard to, like, if you go up in all of them, great. And if you go down in all of them, yeah. it's stressing. Or like, maybe down in majority. But, yeah, it's kind of like you've won but also lost. In a bit. And you're like, how can you justify... Oh yeah, like whatever we did this week, great in Perth. Everyone in Melbourne yeah. hates it. Like, how, yeah. how do you kind of? So I think you know we, that's probably a, another reason why we don't let it affect us a lot. I feel like whenever Adelaide goes down there, I'm like, come on, man, like that's our home. That's where we came from. Like, what are you doing down there, guys? But apart from that, like, you don't really, mm. we don't buy into it a hell of a lot. Yeah. So I wanted to touch on that as well. You guys uh, have been together as a duo for a while now. Um, yeah. You were doing the breakfast on Fresh ninety two point seven. You've done you know comedy together as well. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is that makes it two people who work together really well in that kind of working sense as opposed to just two mates who are running a radio show? Uh, I think it comes down to like, I know it's kind of like a boring answer, but work ethic. I think like, and just a shared vision. Like I remember, mm. you know, we've both done radio shows with like lots of different other people, not for like a long time or anything, but when we first started doing it together, we both had kind of those same ambitions and we were both willing to put the work in a little bit as well. Like even in community radio, you kind of you can just kind of phone it in and rock up and do your show and leave, but we would stay for hours after and then it got to that point where we we're getting more and more shows on community radio and then – because, you know, when it started, we were doing like one show a week mm-hmm. and then like two shows, three shows, and then we got uh, – we were the first ones to get employed there, which was, which was pretty cool, but I think it was just purely because we were just kind of hungry and had mm-hmm. the same – 
vision. And also uh, when you find someone who genuinely makes you laugh. Like I've got lots of friends mm. that I hang out with outside of radio and they make me laugh, but Liam definitely nails what I think is funny and I like to think that I make him laugh sometimes. So, yeah, definitely finding someone with a shared sense of humour. Mm. Mm. And there's also online a lot of comparisons to Hamish and Andy, um, not least because Liam people do like to say <laughs> sounds like Hamish. <laughs> When you look at how they've kind of taken that duo dynamic and propelled it into such a massive career now, mm. is that something that you guys would like to emulate down the track? I think it's, you know, I think people are always going to draw comparisons just because, you know, you're two blokes on the radio. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like pretty pretty hard not to. I feel like, you know, American Rosso, I mean, they were, they, you know, yeah. Hamish and Andy yeah. were getting that and then. Hell, American Rosso probably had the the stuff from like Martin and Malloy before that. I think the exciting thing is with what they've done is, and and everyone like what Liam just said, the people before them was they definitely they've just set the bar higher than anybody yeah. else. And so for us to come along and go, well, look what they did. Can we even get close to that? We're gonna we'll try, we'll give it a shot. But it's kind of nice to see someone do what they did and be so successful at it. Yeah, then you kind of it paves a way for you to see if you can also try. And well, do they that. definitely yeah. They kind of just took the whole radio thing and just turned it into like much more like I suppose like people were making an appointment to listen to them and like we definitely we don't listen to them all the time um, now. But when you know, even my girlfriend asked me over the weekend, just like oh, when did you decide you wanted to get into radio? And I'd be lying if I said it wasn't like listening to Hamish and Andy when you're younger and going like man, mm. like, how cool would that be if you could like just have fun with your best mate and you know that was work. So to that sense, I suppose. Yeah, mm. you know, that, that'd that be the dream. But, I mean, I think we're kind of living the dream now. We're kind of doing that. We're making a living, you know, having fun doing the show every day. And I think now more than ever, like three years into this, I think when we first started, it was something we were more conscious of. We were like, mm. oh, you don't want to do that because you don't want to sound like other people. But now I'd also be lying for today, but I didn't think about that anymore. Now yeah. we just now we just do the show that we do. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's your point of difference. You know, you just you naturally find that and you start to sound like your own show. Mm. And on that, how much – so your show, it kind of does sound a l very off the cuff, but I would imagine mm. that's by design more than anything else. How yeah. much planning do you put into it? Everything. Everything's yeah. planned. Yeah. But the, the, best way, is the best way to put it is everything's planned, nothing's rehearsed. Yeah. So, so, it's all, so you know what's going to happen to an extent where you go, well, this is what we want the break to sound like. But you never go, I'm going to say this, you're going to say that. Like most of the time it's 50-50. So either it's my idea or it's Liam's idea. If it's my idea, me and producer Bell will know exactly what's going to happen or what I want to happen. Mm. But I don't I don't ever want Liam to know what I'm thinking or what I'm about to do because I want him to react to it all naturally. And he knows or he knows what he wants to come from this and then he just reacts to it. And same thing, if, Liam, if it's Liam's idea, he'll plan it with producer Bell and then he'll bring it to the table and I'll mm. just react to it. I think some shows, yeah, they definitely like – you know, uh, even shows we've been around have worked in the past and that's just the way they work and it works well. They You can hear all their ideas being pitched in the meeting and then they go, like, how are we going to do this? And like, yeah, I'll start it and like, whatever. But um, if you look at our like run sheet before a show, it's just like Liam bit, Ben bit, mm -hmm. Liam bit, Ben bit. Some things we do, like, you know, like a regular segment or an interview, obviously we both know what's going on. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I like seeing like Ben bit because <laughs> then it's kind of exciting for me because we just do it in the moment as well. So that And that's like... You know, if there's a story, I'm always telling Ben that for the first time on the radio, just because we can't really act, and I feel like it's always better mm -hmm. when you can capture that natural thing. And we, and it's one of those things as well that like, um, you know, that's easy to say to people starting out in radio, and it's great, but it definitely took us a while to find our feet and feel comfortable with each other as well. I'm like, you know what? 
even if my sort of story sucks, then you know I'm, I'm sure Ben will be able to like say what's coming up next. Yeah, and like I, I'm not going to feel like completely, you know, in the middle of the ocean, and and probably same goes. Like we know we'll probably find something fun in it. Yeah, and normally I think that was definitely early stages. Ben and Liam was Liam knew nothing, and I knew the break, and I would do it. And sometimes it wouldn't work. And after years of figuring it out, we still haven't figured it out yet. But after you know, slow chipping away, trying to figure it out. Now I'll say to Liam, I'm going to do. I'm going about to do a break. Uh, you might want to go in this area with it. So he mm. knows like a direction to take it because sometimes he might go totally left field and I go, I didn't think you were going to do that. And yeah. the break just flops. And that's weird sometimes when you've got an idea in your head like, oh, I know this guy really well. Don't worry about this. Number two in Perth, guys. I know what he's going to do. <laughs> and uh, then you're like, oh, shit, he's taking that. And I'm like, I wasn't yeah. expecting that. And they're like, my thing's funnier. My thing's funnier. We could have yeah. done that. Whereas like, I mean, like a good example, like the other day, I uh, I ordered $80 worth of pizza and then I fell asleep and then the guy didn't give me a refund, which is, you know, I mean, I don't think it's fair, but he, you know, the, the people of the Triple J listeners. You fall asleep when you've ordered Yeah, I know, but like, I mean, just, like, just take it back to the, the shop, bro. I'll have it cold the next day. It's fine with me. That's not but, how it works. But anyway, lay by I, pizza. I told the story on air, uh, like it wasn't me, it was my friend Chris Smith. And um, I just thought, I just thought that'd be funny if I was saying it from like a friend's perspective. And I said to Ben, just like, just before we turned the mics on, I didn't want to tell him what I thought he might do, but I was like, hey, if you notice anything, you know, fishy, just call it out. Like, it'd be better if you call it out. And then and then it was kind of like a little bit more fun because the whole time I was talking, like, deflecting, talking about my friend <laughs> and Ben kind of would have known it was me the whole time. And it's just, just a little bit more fun for us then. Mm. Yeah. 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 It, the thing that always kind of amazes me about um, a job like yours is how the, you have to kind of be on the whole time. Like, mm. I say this quite often about television presenters, especially when you watch things being filmed live. I rock up to work one day and if I don't feel like doing anything that day, I can be in a bad mood and, mm. you know, I'm not going to get fired. But mm. for you guys, you've got to kind of be switched on the whole time. I imagine that must be easier when you're so comfortable with each other. For sure. And I think, I mean, you do to an extent, but I mean... Yeah, it's not brain surgery, is it? You got to be switched on with that as well, otherwise you kill someone. We just, you know, no, someone you know chooses a different radio station. It's not the worst thing in the world, but I think I think it's yeah, it's easier to be switched on when you're having fun with each other and you're actually enjoying your work and and looking forward to what you're doing. Like if we were kind of phoning it in, we didn't really like what we were doing where we were working, then you know it'd be a lot more difficult. But when you're loving it, it's mm. just easy. Yeah, it's also like it's a sprint. And then sometimes it's a marathon. Like you might have shows where you have a really good hour and a half and then a bad hour and a half because you sprinted for the first hour and a half. Mm. Like yeah. you crammed in heaps of content and it was all flowing and you get to 7.30 and you go, man, I'm exhausted. And then you kind of dip off. You don't mean to, but you do just dip off. So you've got to get you've got to get good at going like you're on and then the song comes on, then you turn your brain off for a second and then you got to mm. turn it back on again when the song's about to finish. So you've got to get good at, you know, controlling that energy level. For sure. We definitely bash ourselves up a little bit as well if things don't mm. go away. But that's something I think we've got better uh you know better at over the years just kind of like because you have to that's that's the hard thing when you gotta like shake it off if you're really like disappointed or something you gotta shake it off and always look forward to the next thing which is something we struggled with for years but now i think we're a little bit better at it now because it's strange when you you have a bad break and to us that's because the break went 30 seconds long or we didn't get out the right spot to a listener yeah, they, they probably care. they don't they don't care they don't really just background noise <laughs> but to yeah. us yeah but to us you go oh man could have got out there and you beat yeah. yourself up so you gotta get good at going that was that this is now, and you talk about it after the show. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So let's get into specifics. Has every anything ever gone to air that shouldn't have gone to air? Yeah, a couple of times. Uh, the most memorable one recently was we just – it was actually – so we did this thing where uh, Ben had never had a cast – and he thought it'd be cool to have, you know, your casts are pretty cool yeah, at school. Because, you cool. know, it kind of suggests that you've, you know, got it from doing something like skateboarding or yeah. some sort of urban, you know, trick. Sport. Yeah, sport. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we gave Ben two full arm casts for the week. 
Um, but he looked sick, man. It was I so looked good. great. People were like, oh, dude, Everyone did you do that? signed him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, People yeah. did sign him. And yeah, I, I drew some um, art on it. And uh, But the thing we didn't think through is that I would have to press the buttons. And I never press the buttons. Ben's always done that. I'm kind of just behind a microphone, just you know, trusted with a piece of paper and a, and a pen. But um, yeah, so we, we were doing something and then um, you know, we played a song and then I just didn't turn the microphones off. And we were like, you know how we were just saying, you know, just there about how we beat ourselves up sometimes. Yeah, it was like instant reflection. So, it was just like, you're on Triple J. Yeah, what do you think about that? Yeah, it wasn't bad. Yeah, I thought that first call was all right. Second one kind of sucked a bit. Yeah, and then everyone was texting know. through like, oh, the first call was pretty good too. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, shit, shit, shit. And I saw the text like flooding in, like, turn it off. And then straight away, you're like, oh my God, oh my God, what did I say? What did I-? I thought you were going to talk about that time. This was early days um, when we were at Fresh. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And we had some beatboxes coming in. I'll save you all the context, but they were coming in to do a bit. And uh, this was pre-show. It was about 5.30 in the morning. And we plugged in like a handheld mic, so it yeah. wasn't on the stand. And um, can we can we swear? Would you rather I not swear? No, go for it. Uh, oh, yes. We can't swear. Under <laughs> I'll let you, it's Liam's story. I'll let him finish it. Oh, you're just throwing me under the bus. Oh, okay, <laughs> now I'll swear. In. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm oh, a good boy. Oh, potty mouth Stapleton. Yeah, so we yeah, plugged this microphone in. But we didn't realize that that, over, was like that, that would override the record mode. Oh, no. So that mic was just like live. and Because it was like an MC mic. So I was just like... Everybody from the two one two. He was he was singing Eminem. It's like everybody in the motherfucking three one three. Put your motherfucking, motherfucking hands, hands up and, and follow, follow me. me. Yeah. yeah, it's not two one two. And then everyone the, started texting you. That's the Azalea the Banks song. There yeah, as well, yeah, I was I was doing the eight mile. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah, yeah. rabbit motherfucker, that kind of thing. And then everyone's like, "Yeah, we hear you, motherfucker." And I was like, "Oh my god!" But you know, it was on community radio at five forty five a.m. So not the uh, not the biggest audience. Um, people still heard it though. Yeah. And what about in terms of have you got anything that stands out in your mind as your all-time best segment or best guest? Uh, mm. Best segment, best guest. I mean, for me, so many. best guest. Yeah. <laughs> so hard, so hard. Uh, best interview for me would be Liam Gallagher. Ben was actually in Japan, so I just got to do it by myself. Um, I mean, I don't think it was a particularly great interview on my part, but it's just I got to meet Liam Gallagher. Yeah, I think I, I've heard he's hard to interview. Nah, it's no? super easy. Oh, oh there yeah, you go. yeah. I know he's, he can be a bit grumpy and stuff, but he's he's the best. He's like an article machine. Just rips on his brother the whole time, and <laughs> just like there was a few articles in NME and stuff. He's real animated, real hard to keep near a microphone though. He's like, yeah, mum, yeah, absolutely, mum. Like walking around the studio <laughs> like that. Yeah, who's that? June rats. Yeah, I saw that, mum. Proper cool. Yeah. So that was kind of tricky. I was like the whole time I was like fading up and down. Um, but yeah, that's probably my favorite guest. I, I don't it's know. It's tough to say. Wise. It's a good question because it's tough with like segment or bit um, to try and like pick one because it's you know, in radio you can oh, tell you know a story like a two minute story and you know you've been a high all week from it because it was just so funny. Yeah. Um, whereas you know you could also do a, a three week long story arc and that could also you get as much joy out of that. So it's hard to pick one. But. I think um, I mean one of our early days favorites was just was just purely because it was one of the first times I think we ever got like an article written about us. On radio today was uh, the breakfast on breakfast. That was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. read that article. You read yeah. that? Yeah, it's going back. That was like that was 2014 early. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. That was like that was the first, but like, was the first things, time we made like radio articles. We, we couldn't we couldn't do it now though because you know technically it was actually illegal. Illegal, but, yeah. Um, do you want to explain? So breakfast on breakfast was our idea of could we get our radio show on another breakfast radio show? Yeah. And so the way we did that was during our show we had our producer. At the time, uh, in another studio listening to Hit 107 and uh, waiting for them to do a call out. And when they did, we uh, ripped the song down that was playing on our station 
and we quickly, quickly context what we were about yeah, to do yeah. while producer Michael was calling them as a fake caller. He got through. They were like, we, 131060, if you've got a silly hat, tell yeah, us about it. <laughs> and then he, we put him and the producer on their end live to air. They're, and like, they said, they're like, hey, Michael, what's going on, man? And he's like, got, got a, a cool silly, story? Got a silly hat. And cool. So throw you on next. They said, you're on next. We were like, okay, okay, we're on. There was whole music. You could hear, you could hear their station because that was the whole music. And then we quickly, like the whole time, were contexting what was about to happen. <laughs> and then if you were in Adelaide at the time, if yeah. you were listening, you, you could, could flick, flick from 927 to 100. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you could like fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could, yeah. So, and then we went to air. And they said, Michael, you got to have a, a story about a silly hat. And then we said, oh, actually, it's Ben Liam here. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and they it dropped got, us, didn't it they? got dumped. But for yeah. a split second in Adelaide, you could flick between fresh and hit. It was a simulcast. we were on both nice. stations at once. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think when you put someone's producer on air without their permission, yes. that's the illegal part. That's... But they came out and said that they were good sports about it. And they said, it's, it's fine. So, they were okay do it tomorrow. That. See, see yeah, how do it go. tomorrow. Put Kyle. See how many Kyle radio stations Jackie you on. Yeah. Yeah. That would be spectacular. Yeah. I support oh, that. Yeah, we'll see how we go. <laughs> what about, have you got any probably guests that stand out in mind? You may not want to name names, but is there any guest interview they've done and you've walked away afterwards just being like, oh, God, that was really bad. Yeah, you uh, just don't air them. Yeah, <laughs> you just hide them and hide yeah, them in the bowl. Like, yeah, man, we'll play that tomorrow at 7.30. <laughs> uh, nah, um, uh, one that was weird was we were in Mount Isa. We we're doing a show from Mount Isa for Triple J's One Night Sound, which is like a huge free gig, which we bring to a small regional town that doesn't often get a lot of live music. It's one of the best things we do here. Um, yeah, we did that in 2017. Mm. And, uh, yeah, Bob Cowder was there oh. and, uh, he was talking, he, we interviewed Bob Cowder <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he was like talking to us with his hands. But he, clearly his, like, media person or something had written Ben and Liam in big text, like, on his hand. Like, you yeah. know, Andy on the bottom of the shoe in Toy yeah. Story? And he was like, yeah, 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 he was telling a story about, oh, well, well, Anza. And it just went on and on. And then he, like, and then we're like, all right, well, thanks for that, Bob. And then we're, like, got clearly going into a song. And then he's like, can I tell you about the color nulla fella? And we're like, what? And then he was like, like oh, I'm, 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 turn his mic off, turn his mic off. He just went into this full, like, Banjo Patterson friggin' poem thing for like four minutes. Yeah. But- and we faded into Skrillex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very strange. Yeah. Created a new hit sensation. Yeah. Um, do you reckon your show could work on one of the big commercial networks? So we kind of touched on a little earlier, ratings aren't as important for the ABC in, in general. Mm. Do you reckon with the added commercial pressure, your show would still work? Or do you reckon with the audiences that go to the other networks, your show would still work. It'd be strange because the radio show that we were doing at Fresh in community radio, that was more geared towards like a commercial style. Mm. That was just the way we were mm. taught. And then we came here and you'd throw the rule book out the window from what we were taught. And it's very, very different here at Triple J. So if we did, it'd be a massive learning curve. Like I can, you would have to tweak things for yeah, sure. Yeah, I suppose you don't know until you, yeah. you, know, you try, I suppose. Yeah. Hard to say. Mm. And we spoke with um, former Pointless host Mark Humphreys a couple of weeks ago and asked him about, you know, comedy on the big networks as opposed to comedy on ABC and SBS. Mm. And he reckons ABC and SBS are kind of leading the way oh, in Australia. Totally. Yeah, for sure. Have you seen all the, like, the fresh blood things and the, you know, the, the fun things left, right and centre? <clears throat> Sounds like I'm going to cry because I've never had them before. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's so many, even, like, even things that don't make it to the TV, you know, you see things online and they, they have, like, full... ABC comedy like department here. Yeah. It's like I think it's on like level four. Once again, never been invited, so I wouldn't know. Um, but yeah, it's 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 down there somewhere. And um, yeah, they've got a lot of smart heads that work pretty hard. And yeah, you, you see like a lot of cool kind of comedy groups 
get their start on like you know little TV pilots and and you know comedians you see around doing spots, you know getting to have their own projects and do little mini series and stuff and yeah I definitely think we need more of that because I don't know like I, I don't watch a hell of a lot of free to air TV these days but I swear I would watch it a lot more if there was some quality comedy shows or some really good talk shows what kicking around. Not to say that there's not anymore. What was the last thing you watched on Free to Air? Uh, Skit House back in 2007. Um, you no. haven't watched Free to Air TV <laughs> since 2007. <laughs> no, I, what, did I, what was the last thing I watched on Free to Air TV? Oh, man, it's really hard to say. Um, was it our Rage special or you didn't watch that? I didn't even watch that. Yeah. And I was on, I was on uh, Talking About Your Generation and didn't watch that either. <laughs> I thought I sucked at it, so I was like, no. Nah, Do you own a TV? Oh, I don't have a cord. Actually, I must have. I, I must have. I don't have a cord. I don't for have the a cord TV. either. Netflix these days. Oh, yeah. We're all working on dying mediums. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> what, what are we even doing here? Let's go become accountants. <laughs> so, three years of the show. Any plans to shake it up, or are you happy with how it's going currently? As far as working somewhere else? No, I mean, like, as far as you know, could we? Do you kind of come in after three years and you're like, all right, ready to try some super different stuff where you're like, yeah, yeah, things are sure. going really good. I mean, we, fact, we, we did this week, yeah. Yeah, this week we were sitting down going, what can we do to push ourselves? Because mm. you get into a zone where you go, everything's easy, like everything's comfortable and that's not a good not thing. Not in a sense that like we're absolutely crushing it and number no. one everywhere. It's more just like- You get into a super oh, easy you routine. Know, you can, you're kind of having fun and you're comfortable yeah. and- you know, you're not dying in the ratings, but you're also not like killing. You're just kind of coasting. Yeah, so. and you don't want to be in that zone where you're coasting. I think yeah. some, maybe some people do, but I think you want to be in that zone where you actually, like, I know Liam's the same. The best days are the days where you get home at four and you go, man, I got all that content planned for tomorrow. I got a social post ready to go. Yeah. Because you're pushing yourself to work hard. I mean, that, that week where we had a fight one week and it was oh, like best week this year. The content was, was the just, fight, by the way. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. We didn't, we didn't actually have like a street fight or anything like that. Um, <laughs> Although we weren't supposed to, we were supposed to talk about that. We did have one. I beat Ben up with a chair once. Yeah, um, it was intense. Still in the courts. Um, but no, yeah, we had this like this thing on the radio where we, um, yeah, jumped in the ring because Ben uh, is an amateur boxer, and it was oh, it was actually yes. so much fun. Like I didn't didn't you know train or anything for it, but I was so like scared all week. I was like, <laughs> going to bash me up. He kind of did, and uh, definitely hurt. Had a massive headache for a couple of days after, mm. but it was like we we're just so like invested in it and i think everyone was as well. everyone was along the journey because we said like oh we put up a post and we said this is when instagram likes were a thing and we're like oh if this gets thirty thousand likes we'll fight and it got like 50 odd thousand yeah. like whoa like we weren't expecting that so I was, I, I was always like yeah i mean it might get up there but i didn't expect it to you know get that far over but in terms of your actual question yeah definitely i don't think we're like you don't do things just for the sake of shaking things up yeah. but yeah. you definitely sit down and you go all right we're in cruise control at the moment. Let's take it off cruise control and, and what are we going to do in the Even, next six months? So, and, and at the moment, like we, we just decided like a couple of weeks ago, we was, we'll play um, 12 songs an hour instead of 10 songs, which might not seem like a hell of a lot, uh, you know, on paper, but for us, that actually means we do less in an hour. Instead of doing like four ideas in mm. an hour, we might do two or three ideas in an hour, which gives you more space to do more with that particular idea yeah we wanted like to give, smashing through things yeah rather than doing lots of little bits of content we wanted to do uh like less but giving more attention to the small bits of content and so. also and also like i mean more music's just better anyway yeah and right, i mean like yeah. ha, ha, what other radio stations playing 12 songs in an hour yeah realistically and someone said if uh if what you're about to do isn't going to be better than the song you're about to play don't do it and most often mm. the mm. song you're about to play is going to be better than the mm. content you're about that's to why do. you might hear us go uh, back to back six times in a row yeah because we never have give them what they want say. give them yeah. music yeah 
yeah. Shut up and rock. Yeah. That's how you get the number two spot in yeah. Perth. Yeah, True. Exactly right. If you can be Perth's iPod, they'd be happy. <laughs> yeah. We are the Spotify of radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to finish uh, with some wild speculation. So there are a couple of big jobs or are hanging around in Sydney at the moment. Um, and we touched on earlier the Today FM breakfast spot, which may be looking for a bit of a shake-up. The other one is uh, morning show lineups, not always set in stone. Would you What's morning show, like 9 to 12? Uh, no, it's earlier than that. Is so it? Oh, like pre-breakfast? Yeah, it's like the really early ones, uh, the, the cash cow territory. Right. Would you consider either of those big jobs? If, you know, let's just say you're magically handed. At the moment, like, it's pretty hard to beat, really. Like, it's pretty rare, to be honest, to be able to speak to your... Target demo. I know that sounds kind of lame. When you but are the target, we demo, are eighteen yeah. to twenty-four. Mm. Like that's that's how old we are, and we kind of do live this life at the moment. Like we go to the gigs on the weeknights and go out on the weekends and listen to this type of music, and it's kind of it's kind of cool being involved in that world. So we're, yeah, we're we're pretty comfortable here at the moment. We definitely want to do a lot more here, though. I don't think our jobs are done yet. I think there'll be a time when we go, yeah, I think we've accomplished everything we need to accomplish mm-hmm. here. But we, like we had that um, before we left Fresh, but I think that's still a while away yet. I think there's a lot more we can achieve. Number one spot in Perth. That's kind of what I'm referring yeah, to. Yeah, that's the only yeah. one. Yeah, cool. <laughs> All right, Ben and Liam, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks. And that's all for this week, but don't forget that the Mumbrella Automotive Marketing Summit is on Thursday in Sydney. It's a packed program with international speakers from the likes of Facebook, Deloitte and Apex AI. Tickets are still available at mumbrella.com.au slash automotive, so make sure you grab them. For now, I literally have to jump in an Uber and somehow get to advertising week to jump up on stage at Luna Park so team I'll let you get back to doing everything else bye Bye.